0: Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctors' Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m.
1: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome to the Doctor's Lounge. This is your host, Dr. Mike Karuchak. Thanks very much for joining us today. The Doctor's Lounge is presented by America's Web Radio and is sponsored by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, a 501c3 organization that uh, supports the... The uh, concept of freedom of choice and free markets in healthcare Uh As a foundation, we have just updated our physician's prescription for health care reform. Please go to our website at www.d4pc, that's the letter D, numeral 4, letter P, letter C, foundation.org, and see our physician's prescription for health care reform that we've just updated. We believe that all Americans, uh, whether you're, you get your uh, insurance through your own individual self or your employer, should be the same under the tax law. Uh, we believe that health insurance should be true insurance. Insurance should be invoked only for rare and catastrophic catastrophic events and not be invoked every time that you have a checkup or routine lab work because that drives the cost of insurance up because you have to pay the insurer much more premium just to get your money back. We believe individuals and families should own their own health insurance. We believe that a true national competitive marketplace for health insurance is necessary without artificial boundaries, such as state lines, and should be purchased any way that you would like. Um, We believe that the malpractice system is broken and needs to be replaced. We have a plan. It's on the website. Um, We believe that health information technology is a great idea, but because of government intervention, has been deployed in a very harmful manner and has ruined, at least for the moment, an otherwise good concept. And we believe that physicians should be freed from the weight of burdensome and ineffective regulations, such as maintenance of certification, government regulations, wherever these things may come from. We believe that doctors and patients can do the best job working together when they are unencumbered by the presence of a third party, uh, as much as you can minimize that role as possible. So in that spirit, uh, we have a like-minded guest with us today. Uh, Ms. Twyla Brays, RN, is president and co-founder of the Citizens Council for Health Freedom. Uh, She is a certified public health nurse, and she provides a daily 60-second radio feature. And, And how many stations is this
2: on now, Twyla? Uh, more than 800 in 47 states.
0: So 800 stations, over 800 stations, 47 states called the Health Freedom Minute, uh, a 60-second informative um, uh, message that keeps you up to date on, on health care policy. Uh, and, and, uh, I'll add, yes. and I'll
2: add, if anybody doesn't get it, that they can find it right on our homepage at cchfreedom.org. We have the last five are always just sitting there right on the homepage in our, our archive archives are there as well.
0: Fantastic. Definitely a, a worthy thing to do. Uh, but uh, Twyla, you've got something new uh, to talk about today, like brand new as of last week, uh, something very exciting. I've been to the website and, and had a look at it. It's called The Wedge, and uh, I'm going to let you take it from here.
2: Well, thank you. Yes, we uh, last week we launched The Wedge of Health Freedom, and uh, the whole purpose of The Wedge of Health Freedom is, and if you, if you, let me just say, if anybody's listening, uh, and has a computer right in front of them, they can go to jointhewedge.com and take a look at what we're talking about here. But the whole idea is it's to be a meeting place for doctors and patients. So for doctors who have a third party free, um, practice and for patients who are looking for someone who will truly give them confidential care, uh, more time than seven minutes, time to answer their questions that may or may not have to do with one particular condition that they came in with, um, and is at a affordable price. So we say that within the wedge, you'll find patient-friendly, pocketbook-friendly, and privacy-friendly care. Um, this is a cash-based system, and so there aren't third-party payers involved, and therefore it takes out all the extraneous and regulatory and bureaucratic costs, all the headaches, all the coders, all the billers, all the attorneys, all the contract makers for the health plans uh, that a lot of practices have because we believe that the only reason we have a health care system is because we have a patient. And if we have a healthcare care system that doesn't really work for the patient, then we don't have a health care system that works, and it's working everybody in there, including the patient and the doctor, are working for someone else. So the reason that we uh, call it The Wedge, and if you go to uh, jointhewedge.com and look at the About page, you'll see a diagram, and in there we have a, a blue circle. And what we, when, when uh, we came up with this, we realized that there is a free trade zone for healthcare currently operating within the United States. It's a place there where doctors and patients are free to work together without third party interference. It's a place where the costs are cheaper. It's a place where all the data is held confidential. It's exactly the way healthcare was supposed to be all the way back to Hi- Hippocrates and beyond about you know, being patient centered, patient focused, not sharing data, not harming the patient, therefore not participating in any rationing strategies or, uh, you know, restrictive, uh, Options set by outsiders, right? So, um, so we believe there is a free trade zone in healthcare today, but that most of the American public doesn't understand it. So, we call that little wedge within the circle, or that little slice within the circle, we called it the wedge of health freedom. And the purpose for calling it the wedge is one to capture the attention of the American public, uh, two to actually identify this free trade zone so that people will start to see it. They'll start to look for it. They'll realize it actually exists. We're making the invisible visible all because we believe that we have to preserve and protect health freedom in this country. And so we must protect this wedge so that there's always a place for patients and doctors to come together. But we're not, but the wedge is not only just, you know, within this slice of a free trade zone. The wedge of health freedom is also a movement. So it is a grassroots movement to um, not only identify and, uh, you know, build awareness that the wedge exists, this free trade zone exists, but also to grow the wedge and to protect it. So if you look at our little diagram, you would see that the middle wedge is a blue circle with a with a goldish orange wedge within it that is bigger than the very first circle, where it just shows a, a dotted line, showing pointing out how invisible it is today to most people and most patients. And uh, and then when you get to the very last of the three circles, you'll see that the entire circle is yellow, because okay. our goal, our goal, is that every patient will have a doctor just like this, that we will have a free trade zone that encompasses all of health care, that we will have direct relationships, I'm No, no more the triangle with the payer, the doctor, and the uh, patient, you know, and everybody trying to yes. figure out what everybody's going to do, right? Exactly. But we'll have direct relationships between the patient and the doctor, the patient and the hospital, and the patient and the insurer, just like you buy everything else in your life. You do not go up to a third party and ask, "Can I?" You know, mother, may I? And That's right. and that going up to that third party is very expensive and makes healthcare unaffordable. So we want it to be confidential, trusted, ethical and affordable exactly the way healthcare should be.
0: Well the, exactly and, and the, the vast for the vast majority of healthcare, you know, we pay this premium to the insurers and then we spend a huge amount of time begging for that money back. And if you get that money back at all, it comes after they take out a huge overhead. So it, it makes a whole lot more sense, uh, to do it this way. And, and, you know, this is interesting. We have, in our, in our group of folks, right, that include you and I, we have sort of multiple approaches to, you know, how we're going to fix the healthcare system. We've got some folks working on the inside, but the bottom line is, you know, if, if they can't deliver the results, you know, we can render them irrelevant with systems like this. If more and more folks go to a direct model, so tell, right. me, tell me, Twyla, how, it, how is this distinguished from other sorts of models? Because we've discovered with the direct primary care thing that, that people confuse this. They're going, oh, this is a cash doctor. This must be concierge medicine. So uh, is there anything that's, that you can say or, or, or leave as a, as a burning impression to say that this is not concierge medicine? This is not $1,500 a year extra kind of thing just to get access. This is something very, very different.
2: So for most concierge, as I understand it, the insurance can still be involved, and or for a fair amount of the concierge. And so some people will call concierge something that, you know, I think they do get the terms mixed up. But what we're trying to say with the wedge of health freedom, so we're just trying to capture, I mean, I don't know that... I don't know even that a lot of people out there that aren't you and I or a doctor in a in a direct primary care uh, practice. I don't know if you went out on the street and you asked people, you know, what's a direct primary care practice? I don't think that they'd know. No. And um so we're just we're saying this is nothing to do with coverage and everything to do with care. So we have eight principles and they're pretty simple. Um that we we are just asking um, practitioners who could be the direct primary care practitioners, they could be uh, they could be the ones that are just cash based and they have an entire price list like Patmos. they could Patmos, which is in uh, Tennessee, okay. Oh my gosh! I'm I'm sorry. I'm talking to you on a cell phone, and you're probably hearing all these sirens because we're having an emergency. Um, I'm
0: just starting to hear them right now. Uh, That's okay. If um, it's it's not, it's not. I can barely hear it, but I think it's okay. Okay. (laughs) Flash flood warning. Oh, there you go. Um, (laughs) Well, yeah. Get your get your mask and flippers and snorkel out, and we'll just keep talking.
2: (laughs) so so anyway um so the so what we are saying you know this is basically it's third party free, and so any clinic, any uh practice that is third party free um protects truly protects and doesn't report the data to the government or to insurers doesn't allow insurers to be part of the decision-making process, has transparent, affordable pricing, cash-based pricing, and is open to all patients. So whether they're insured patients or uninsured, whether they're on Medicare, Medicaid, uh, you know, whatever, it's open, but it doesn't participate in those programs, right? So, is there, you know, Patmos Clinic, for instance, pay at the moment of service in Tennessee, they... They, I remember one of the articles that I was reading about Dr. Robert Berry and when he had 7,000 patients and he was looking for another doctor to come help him. And uh-huh. he just, you know, I remember him talking about the Medicaid patients that came. And um, And, you know, why would a Medicaid patient come and actually pay? One, because it's affordable. Two, because the Medicaid patient doesn't feel like there's any stigma attached. They're coming there just like anyone else. And, and then, of course, uh, a lot of these uh, you know practices—they have gone to the nearby hospital or the radiology facility or the lab facility, or they've told or they've gotten their own you know um, supply of prescriptions. And so, it's just a much more affordable, um, hassle-free, and you know when you go that there's no way that anything that you say to this physician is going to get outside of those four walls. And, uh, no reporting and is required. so even right, right and even no, if it is an electronic health record, it doesn't matter as long as it doesn't go outside of the walls. Right? Yeah, and, you can lock those and,
0: down. I mean, there's, it, it's all because of uh, you know the government regulations that you have to that you have to communicate. While we're at the end of the first segment, uh, you are listening to the Doctors Lounge on America's Web Radio.
1: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like.
4: Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org.
5: Thank you.
1: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. This is your host, Dr. Mike Karuchek, with very special guest, Twyla Bray's RN from the uh, Citizens' Council for Health Freedom. And she's talking about a brand new movement that they have created called the Wedge and uh we were talking about this this method of bringing doctors and patients together with no interference this is the doctor and the patient and no insurance third party no reporting requirements regulations any of those things the doctor and the patient are free to do what's best for the patient so uh a while on the break i think we were sort of talking about um something that i didn't understand about this uh so the question i'll I'll repeat the question now that we're back on the air which is that If a patient already has insurance, um, can they go to a wedge practice, and how does that work?
2: Yes. So just as it's happening today, there are people who uh, choose to go to a uh, direct uh, uh, primary care practice or a a cash-based practice and um, some of them, the practice will help them with, you know, getting the numbers that they need, or will help them to submit the claim. But some of them won't even have, you know, the numbers, right? So, right. Um, so. That- They may choose, you know, not to participate at all or even try to run it through insurance. And, you know, really, today with Obamacare having the highest, you know, deductibles and these really high premiums, and most people do not have catastrophic, they just do not have catastrophic events. Uh, You know, most people will never, ever, ever hit the top of their deductible. So why not go to a cash-based affordable practice um, and, you know pay a lower cost for a higher quality service for more time with your doctor or a doctor who will go with you into the hospital for a doctor who won't say a word about you to anybody else um, so there so that insurance so that people would actually use insurance for what insurance is for the catastrophe and there's there's just really no need to use it for uh everything else. And so this is, I think, a more viable option for even all sorts of people who are insured, who don't want to have the insurers, even knowing that they went somewhere else. So yes, if you're insured, you can go, but that doesn't mean that you get to use your insurance. And a lot of people might just choose not to, because it'll be cheaper than trying to run it through or get permission for payment through the insurance company. Um, At the end of the day, you know, those three circles that I described for you, at the end of the day, if every doctor and every patient, if every doctor is free and and every patient is free, what we'll have is a non-managed care coverage system. We will revert to true insurance insurance. And we will not have networks of doctors. We will not have patients constrained and restricted by networks. Doctors will be free. They will not be doing all of the administrivia, as some people call it. Oh, they I like will that not term. be doing <laughs> all of the bureaucratic work. They will not have to pay for all those staffers. Their practice will be simpler. Joy will be back in their practice and they will, they will be doing what they always wanted to do, which was just to take care of patients and deal with patients. And so um, and so, if we are successful with the wedge, we will break up the networks. There won't be networks. We will be back to true catastrophic insurance. And uh, what I would like to be back to is defined contribution insurance. Yes. You know, um, managed care is defined benefits. So they give you this whole list of everything you can have, and then they tell you everything you can't have because they've decided you can't have it. Right? Right? Defined contribution is for every, you know, type of diagnosis, they have an amount that they're going to contribute. Well, you might even be able to find a doctor who will do it for less than the amount that they're going to contribute, and you might be able to save it, you know, for something else because you paid for a defined contribution product, and they know about how much this is going to cost, and then you can go doctor shopping with it, and you can pay the extra if it's going to cost more than that. So that's, you know, that's where we'd like to be. We're not getting rid of insurance, um, and we're not getting rid of coverage, but we're going to make health care, uh, sorry, medical care, the provision of medical services, not as scary from a affordability, uh, you know, context. So
0: um, how would doctors join this wedge program? Because I noticed on the website you've got a big button for doctors and a big button for patients. So we're sort of talking about how patients can get into this. But, um, you know, if, if I decide tomorrow that, that I want to join this, what do I do?
2: So we have a form. I mean, if you click on the doctor button, there's a little explanation about it and then there is a disclaimer because our intent is not to police everybody and we just want everybody to know who comes onto the website that we're not going to police everybody who decides to join we're going to let the market we're going to let individual patients decide they will be able to see the eight uh the eight uh, principles and they'll be able to go to one of these wedge practices and they can make their own decision but all they have to all a, a physician or a uh, uh, even dentists or chiropractors, because this is for anybody who wants to be part of a third party free system and wants to find those kind of patients who want to be part of it, um, all they have to do is fill in the blanks, tell us yep, i you know we follow the uh, eight principles and uh and just cook because they are actually just requesting to be listed on our website. We have not listed anyone yet we 're just starting we just launched so It's not an automatic list. It's something that we have to uh, to do and create the page yet for. So we're just collecting the names. We've already started to collect um, practitioners who have decided to join, and then probably in in a few weeks we'll start. We'll have an actual list online for people to start shopping with, and we're going to start you know, we'll start contacting the direct primary care organizations and the independent physician organizations and all of those to let them know because I, as you have said, I am on 800 radio stations, 47 states. We intend to use the radio and every method possible to drive people and practitioners to the wedge because we know well, at least we figure, and you can tell me whether I'm wrong or not. I believe that there's a lot of physicians who would love to get rid of all the bureaucracy. They'd, they'd love to get rid of the reporting and the quality metrics and, you know, the compliance checks and the pay for performance and all that stuff. They'd love to get rid of that. Oh, yeah. And, um, and so, but they're afraid that no one will find them. And they won't be able to have a successful practice. So what we want is we want everybody to know where they are. And, and in addition to, to that, we have a special flyer on the website. So there Uh is a, you know, a share button, right? Okay. So, and we have special cards that when we go to an event, we'll bring the cards because we want patients to invite their doctors to join the wedge. We want doctors to think hey, this might be a possibility. Maybe I could do this because there's a way, and an organization who is just pushing to have the two come together <laughs> because yeah. we want patients and doctors to break free together. And uh, and so we know this is the only way. It's, it's either this or we just have the American version of socialized medicine yes and and we we don't believe in the american version of socialized medicine no. we believe in which which includes managed care which is just corporate socialized medicine so our whole plan is just to help doctors and patients break free together so would
0: you envision physician practices sort of hybridizing and sort of starting a cash based wedge type practice on the side cuz i i mean i couldn't see myself like totally throwing the switch there's got to be some sort of is 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 that kind of transition. a vision a transition type thing.
2: Yes, although if you continue to have Medicare, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it might be difficult to follow one of the principles, which is not reporting, right? Because especially you if you have an EMR, macro yeah. MIPs, right. And MIPS requires you to open up your entire database and your EHR to the federal government. So you wouldn't be able to do that. You wouldn't be able to claim that unless you are a non-participating and you're just going to refuse. You're just going to refuse. And if the federal government comes asking for it, well, that'll be like the last straw. I mean, that's. I think in some cases that's where some uh, practices are uh, where they have decided to refuse. Right?
0: Right. But you have to stand so, up and be counted, which we sort of talked about earlier or off the air. Um, yeah. So that you've got to be sort of an, uh, if you're, you have to not participate in Medicare, for, just like you were saying. And maybe you
2: either have to not participate or maybe you're a, a non-PAR and you're just, you know, Medicare has never come to ask you for anything. Yes, <laughs> and so you're not going to give it to them if they come, and then you know let the chips fall where they may but but the the fact of the matter is our organization i don 't think I've probably ever told you this, but our organization is looking for a medicare free America. This is one of our visions medicare free America why are we having to go on the duel at sixty five years old and have only what the federal government and Congress decides to give us? And we're a $43 trillion unfunded liability. You know, rationing is all there's going to be. We have got to give Medicare folks and everybody coming after them an escape hatch. So part of the escape hatch is the wedge. Where is somebody on Medicare going to go where they won't have their life rationed away from them, where they'll have a physician whom they can pay cash who will not let the hospitalist or whomever else decide what is or is not available to them, where they can always have truth told to them. You know, we had Dr. Arnett, Brenda Arnett, with us last week, and she said she's got a cash-based practice. Uh, She's got 400 patients. She wants a maximum of 600. Okay. Half of her load, half of her patient load are Medicare patients. They are all paying her cash and her patients come from as far away as two hours and she spends 30 to 45 minutes with them. And so they are getting what they consider a bargain for the cash because this is what they need. And every patient wants somebody, uh, who when they're vulnerable is not going to make them even more vulnerable. And that's what, that's why we want the wedge to restore this relationship because every patient is vulnerable and every doctor is professionally obligated to be their advocate not to sell them down the river for some health plan or government you know treatment protocol
0: oh absolutely and and that's the problem with the whole third party thing is once you sign up for it you've got no choice because they control the money so right know, there's no other way to do it if the patient comes in with their own cash then then you're only obligated to to one place there's got to right. be a way and i don't know if this is probably too technical to to tinker with on the air here, I suppose, but I wonder if there's a way to sort of you know establish a second tax ID or something It would be interesting to come up with some sort of a of a template uh, or something for practices to to be able to transition where you could do you know you'd almost have to have two practices and two separate record keeping systems right so that right. anything that's in one server can't be usurp by medicare uh that you so that you maintain sort of that that privacy firewall i don't know just food for thought anyhow we're at the end of the second segment you are listening to the doctor's lounge on america's web radio with special guest twyla brace
4: Are your health insurance premiums going up? You are not alone. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org to understand why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. This is Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org.
1: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like.
0: Welcome back to The Doctor's Lounge. This is your host, Dr. Mike Karuchak. Thanks very much for listening to us today. Uh, the Doctor's Lounge is presented on America's Web Radio on Thursday mornings at 8 o'clock and is available by podcast within a few days, any given episode. Uh, we are available on iTunes. We get about 20,000 podcast downloads per month. So thank you very much for your ongoing support. Uh, Today, we're having a nice conversation with Twyla Brace, R.N., um, founder of the Citizens Council for Health Freedom, and their new initiative called The Wedge. And I think we were going to move into uh, what kind of responses that you got uh, in Washington when you started presenting this around.
2: Yes. So, um, we had 37 appointments, and... um, And so we met with all of these staffers who, you know, to introduce them to the Wedge of Health Freedom and to let them know. By the way, I should let your uh, listeners know as well. On the homepage of uh, jointhewedge.com, there is a spot where you can keep updated on the Wedge or you can ask a question. So, you know, just for your listeners to know that. But so the... um, so we had a variety of responses. So, so some people said, some of the staffers, they would listen. And, uh, and you could see that they were just, their mind was just click, click, clicking. Because most of those staffers have lobbyists that come from big companies from big EHR companies, from, you know, uh, the health plans, from the AMA, the AHA, you know, really big companies who are all just trying to keep their seat at the table. All the heavy-hitting stakeholders. Yes. Yes, all these well-funded
0: heavy-hitting stakeholders.
2: That's right. <clears throat> what they don't often have is a health freedom perspective coming through the door. So uh, so it was very fun to, uh, to answer a lot of their questions. But um, it was what was really particularly uh, fun for us was it, with all of these meetings, we had probably about maybe a quarter of them that were skeptical because they were like, well, the health plans won't like this or, you know, the federal agencies won't like this. <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right because those are not the people who the health care system was built for. It was built for the patient with the doctor you know, with an ethical obligation to this vulnerable person, and so. Um, but we had about half, half of the half of the staffers were very intrigued, very intrigued with that. Yeah, I remember this one staffer called it uh, revolutionary. He said, "You know, you're just you're trying to do a revolutionary thing here with the healthcare system." Yeah. I said, "Well, actually, it's we're." Sort of going back to the future. We're going back to the way that doctors and patients are supposed to relate to each other. You know, but for them, it's revolutionary. And, uh, and, uh, we also heard a comment about, you know, I asked, I said, so at the end, I said, so what do you, you know, what do you think? Now that you've heard everything about the wedges, what do you think? (laughs) And this one of the snappers said, it's refreshing. I mean, it's just, we don't hear this. This is a refreshing idea. But okay. Now, there are other people who pulled it immediately together with the direct primary care. Right. Immediately. This one staffer said... uh from, uh, I think it was Wyoming, that they knew about this uh, this practice or these two practices or, or something that came in, and they had been coming in, you know, a variety of years, but this one time they came in, and they were all filled with, he said, there really wasn't any other way to say it except joy. Sure. He said they were so joyful because they had dropped all the third parties. Uh, contracts and they were no longer doing medicare and he said i looked at them and said you know you guys need to do an info commercial or an infomercial yes. because it's very clear that something has dramatically changed from all the other times you've come in and, and basically complained yeah <laughs> so right. um so and then we had some people who were just quietly uh listening, um, but it was clear that it was the idea was intriguing to everybody some people said you're trying to you're trying to get rid of insurance." We said no, no 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 you see there's these three direct relationships because um i can't remember if I have said it yet in this uh hour well, by here, all but means, say it again,
0: no problem. <laughs>
2: Okay, so you know the triangle of the relationship: the patient, the doctor, the payer. Well, we're going to take those three sides of the triangle, those lines, and we're going to rearrange them. So there's three direct patient. Uh, there's three direct relationships that the patient has: one with the doctor, one with the hospital, and one with the insurer. And I, so I would point. We actually had a diagram. I would point to the sign so and say, "See." We insure. We're not getting rid of insurance. So we're, you know, that was one of the things they thought that we were trying to do. And I said, no, but if we're successful, we will change this relationship. And I said, and we would like to have wedge, wedge hospitals. So hospitals that do not have 132,000 pages of Medicare regulations, 20,000 pages of Obamacare regulations, all the managed care contracts, you know, the, the drug formularies that they're restricted to, but they won't have all the costs of that either. And you can see yeah. how free they would be if you look at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. You
0: took you the words believe- out of my mouth. That's exactly, I was waiting for a break in your, <laughs> I was waiting for you to take a breath and I was going to say Surgery Center of Oklahoma, yes.
2: But in all of those, in all of those 37 meetings, there were only a few who had ever heard of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Most of them, when I said, "Have you heard of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma?" They're like, "No." Right. <laughs> so they're like, "Let me acquaint you," or "Have you heard of No insur- No Insurance Surgery dot com?" No. And this is in Nevada. So here I am. I'm talking to one of the staffers from Nevada. I said, "You know, this person is in your own state," and people are coming from all over the country to have surgery from this person. And they're like, "Let me look them up." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, so and- this. So it's not just about primary care; it's about significant, costly items that don't have to be as costly and become actually affordable.
0: Well, anything that's outside of the catastrophic, God forbid, type event, which is you know probably eighty-five percent of all the care that's delivered, can save you know half, uh, conceivably, by just getting rid of the overhead. And getting rid of the, the red tape, I mean, it makes perfect sense. This is almost like um domestic medical tourism, right? So instead of going to Costa Rica and being able to get outside of all of the requirements, th- that you can do that right in your backyard, you can replicate that. You don't have to leave our shores. Uh Just get it done okay. here. We
2: have... We have a PowerPoint and it's called uh, Medical Tourism in America, Passport Free, 100% American Made. <laughs> right. You don't have to. You don't have to leave. And and our right. preference though is that you don't even have to leave your own state. You know, if we're successful, your medical tourism will be anywhere that you want. Right. You will be network free, yes. so you can go anywhere. And you know, MetaBid is another um option of where you can find doctors and facilities across the country who you you know they bid for your services you need the service and you know you you pick <laughs> yeah right and so there's there's all these options that are now available we just need to make the american public aware that there's something outside your network there's actually a way to do this free freely that's affordable that's confidential that's a trusted relationship, and, a lot of, and that will be longer than seven minutes, right? Yeah. And you could have the same doctor every time you go in, not, yeah. you know, whoever they happen to have available. And I think this is what most patients actually want. It's just they have not grown up with it. They, it's been so long since they've had it. They well, just that, think that's that healthcare thing. has to be the way it is today.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is that it, it's been this way so long that that you just assume, you know, this thing is out there like some fourth dimension you can't see with the with the naked eye. And uh, you know, because it's been this way for so long that everyone just assumes, well, you know, without an insurance card, nothing happens. That you know, everything from you know, you know, a tongue depressor to you know, a blood pressure cuff, all has to live under the under the umbrella of insurance. And you know, it's going to take a lot of work uh, from folks like you and me to to continue to go to Washington and educate these folks because they just don't know. But you know, in the end. Twyla, if they don't get it, it almost doesn't matter
2: because exactly
0: right. because if if we can bring doctors and patients together, we don't necessarily need the blessing of the people inside the Beltway. I mean, that's the beauty of this. In a, when you look at it from that aspect, you know, it doesn't matter how the election turns out. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, whether Trump or Hillary lands there. It's it's uh, because this stuff can live all by itself without any particular legislative support, with rare exceptions, but for the most part. So
2: well, the whole idea here is we can bypass Obamacare and we can bypass Medicare, and we can do it in an affordable manner that doesn't scare everyone about cost. And uh, and, and so we we don't need it, but we do have to, like I said, you know, one of the one of our goals is not only to make this free trade zone visible to the American public who is clueless, not right now. Right. And it's invisible to them. Right. Um, but it's also to grow that wedge, but then we have to protect it. So we, you can't have state or, uh, you know, national or, you know, Congress, we can have Congress or state legislators trying to do things like licensure, prohibitions if you don't take medicare medicaid you you can't have a license or right. you know deciding that uh direct primary care is insurance when it's not or you know who knows what they could come up with when That's they get right. desperate right they'll get desperate and so we have to we have to protect it we don't necessarily need them but we have to protect ourselves from them
0: agreed i mean we and, have to and i
2: will uh, and i will say too health sharing you know health sharing has skyrocketed it has doubled or more than doubled and everybody who's in health sharing that's a cash-based economy so all of them who are in health sharing should be looking for a wedge type doctor right and we're just uh, we're just trying to push We, we want doctors to feel they can break free and we need patients to want them and to see the value of it and so to try and pull this together in a way that patients recognize it and, and start looking for something outside of their network.
0: Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, and and you know, in the end it'll be patient demand, just like you said, that that, that may well drive this process to success rather than anything else. Uh and realize as, as Dick Armstrong is fond of saying, is that, you know, the, the, the push pull part of this equation, the other half is that uh you know, Medicare's running out of money. And, yeah. you know, as that drifts closer and closer to insolvency, what was the latest year, 2028, I think? 2028. Uh, yeah, so what is that, 12 years from now that, uh, you know, the, the Medicare trust fund runs out of money? And, uh, you know, as we drift closer and closer to that, you know, we may end up with a with a push-pull going on here where, you know, in the, on the wedge side, the DPC side, all the cash basis side, it becomes more and more attractive. Medicare becomes less and less attractive because they're going to have to start rationing and you know ipad's going to go live and 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 all this kind of stuff and uh, you know pretty soon i mean it may be that the thing becomes so strong that you know it it gets critical mass a lot quicker than we think Uh, we're at the end of the third segment you are listening to the doctor's lounge on america's web radio with special guest twyla bray stay with us
4: Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org.
5: The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www docsforpatientcarefoundation.org That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you.
1: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
0: Welcome back to the Doctor's Lounge. Thanks for sticking with us all the way through segment four. This is your host, Dr. Mike Karuchak. Thank you very much for joining us in the Doctor's Lounge. We alternate weeks between me and Dr. Hal Schurz. Uh, this is my turn. You're all so lucky for that. I have, what you're really lucky is that I've got uh, special guest Twyla Brace, RN, of the Citizens Council for Health Freedom, talking about this new program called The Wedge. And we had circled the conversation back a little bit to um, your experience on the Hill and some of the – when you sort of got into brass tacks about supportive legislation, you had some comments you were going to share.
2: Yes, yeah, so we asked for something specifically because, you know, one of the things that staffers always want to know is, well, you're coming here for, you know, you're coming here for some legislative purpose. You want something. So you can clearly see they spend their entire day listening to people who want something. Yes. Well, the one thing that we wanted was that we want the uh, we want a repeal or a rescission, actually, is what it really is. We want to have the rule... Um, uh, rescinded that says if you do not participate as a patient, as a citizen uh, in Medicare Part A, you lose your Social Security benefit. Now, this particular um, piece is in the uh, Social Security Conditions of Participation booklet. It was put in there in 1993. Um, it's not a law, It was issued as a rule without any opportunity for public comment. And so it was sort of like one of uh, President Obama's executive decisions. We're just going to do it. And um, and there was a lawsuit that went all the way to the Supreme Court, and in January of 2013, uh, even though its plaintiff was uh, former uh, Majority Leader Dick Armey, the Supreme Court said, nope, we're not going to even... Hear that case. And so, uh, and so today, if you decide that you want to get out of Medicare because you realize what's coming down the pike, you don't want to even have to worry about Medicare. Maybe you've got good enough finances, you've saved enough, you know, you're willing to take the risk, whatever it is. You want to get out of Medicare? If you get out of Medicare, according to this particular rule, you lose your Social Security benefits. So if you never enroll, you don't get any of your Social Security that you've earned for all of those years that you worked. It's lost. The federal government gets to take all that money. I mean,
0: that's an outrage. Uh, or, that's money you put in. It's not like this is money <laughs> that. I mean, the whole premise of this, right? I mean, correct me if I'm right. wrong, but you put right. the money in, you get it back later, and it's you your know,
2: private property. Yes. <laughs> And yet, but, but, the, but the other thing is that this rule says, okay, so you're, you're 10 years, 5 years, 8 years, 15 years into Medicare, and you figure out the system is rigged against you and you want out. Plus, you don't want one scrap of your medical information sent to the federal government anymore. If you decide to leave, you have to pay back every dime you've gotten in Medicare and in Social Security benefits. You
0: are kidding!
2: It back. I did not know that. So <laughs> so uh, it's
0: retroactive if you yes. opt out the day before you pass away, Lord.
2: Yes, that's right. So so that's what we said to the staffers. We said so you know for the wedge to be successful, and we want people to be able to get opt out. Well, it doesn't have to be successful. I mean, we can it can be successful without this. But you know, to be to be helpful for us. You, you would rescind this rule, you know, make a law that says that's got to go and, and it'd be gone. You know, the best thing of all would be if a president that actually could see our way towards this could just simply say, I don't think so. Rescind that rule. You know, it could be that simple. I was going to ask but you I that. Theory... This doesn't
0: require the proverbial or literal act of Congress, right? I mean, this is just. It,
2: it doesn't. It doesn't. But it probably will because we probably won't get a president who even knows about it or anybody who will talk to the president who will actually think it might be a good thing to do. You know, you know, I have no idea who's going to get elected. But yeah. what I'm saying is that this can happen. And uh, as it turns out, uh, Senator DeMint uh, several years ago actually had such a bill. And so there is the possibility that we could get such a bill Again, and maybe that would garner enough attention for whoever the president is um, that they might be willing to sign it, even though they might not be willing to rescind it because, you know, they wouldn't know if it weren't for this bill. So, you know, who knows what's possible? Uh, The other thing is that we said, you know, it would be great to have the prohibition against physician-owned hospitals lifted. That's in Obamacare. Yes. And the other thing, and and it wouldn't be necessary either because as long as you're not participating in, in Medicare, we could have wedge hospitals and they're just exempt from all those rules. Um, But it's helpful for physicians to even think about the possibility because it kind of puts up a barrier for them to even think about it, right? Uh, But but we don't need it. But the other thing that would be really useful for us to get the wedge to go forward, which we asked for, was even if they couldn't repeal all of Obamacare at this moment, let's repeal the prohibition on catastrophic coverage for anyone 30 and over, Obamacare says you can't have catastrophic coverage. Once you turn 30, there's, you know, it's got to be all uh, managed care for you. And so what that has effectively done is all those that even offered catastrophic coverage have gone away because it's such a small little piece of the market that would even have real catastrophic affordable you know, put-in-the-drawer-and-never-think-about-it kind of coverage. Right. And so that's what we asked for. Those are the things that we asked for.
0: Okay, fair enough. And what sort of response did you get when you asked for all this? Did they say, no chance, maybe, what?
2: What we got regarding the rescission and this Medicare-Social Security connection was that most staffers were completely unaware that it even existed, so, they were yes. just as surprised as you. And so, and so they, they would actually write it down. You know, sometimes you, you watch them and you see what they write down and what they don't. This yeah. is something that they would write down. And they also, uh, they also wrote down the whole thing about, I said, you know, we want all of Obamacare repealed, but this would be helpful for us. And so, and so they didn't know exactly how po I think I could tell they weren't so sure. Show- so sure of how possible any of this would be but one of them as well pointed out well you don't really need the thing about physician-owned hospitals i said no we don't really but it would be nice and just uh emotionally or psychologically to um to have it not seem like such a barrier where where you just say yeah any physician can own a hospital now um it's just you know it just seems like less of a bar from a psychological point of view no, agreed. So that, that was kind of what happened. So, yeah, and, and that, what you're
0: talking about kind of fits with what I've always thought, which is, uh, you know, getting rid of Obamacare, you know, it's kind of like, you, you remember those old detective shows from the 70s where the bomb was about to go off and you had to figure out which order to cut the three wires in? You know, right. cut the red wire, cut the blue wire, <laughs> cut the green wire. I, I think right. getting rid of Obamacare is going to be like dismantling a bomb where, you know, Uh if you don't do it all in the right order, the whole thing could blow up and, um, and so, yeah, you know, it's also like, you know, it's like a metastatic tumor. You just can't cut everything out that's that, that's got a problem. So, yeah, and this kind of a stepwise thing I think would be ideal um, because, you know, all you're doing, anybody who wants to stay in Medicare can stay. You're not, you're not forcing anybody out, although the other side would probably offer propaganda to the contrary. But, um, yeah, this sort of a stepwise approach is, okay, I can take this little piece of it and unwind it. And see what happens, and meanwhile, other folks are, are looking at other pieces to see you know how they can unwind it, so um, yeah it's a very intriguing approach to be sure
2: plus it's a savings you know for all the people who't who can immediately say, "I do not need Medicare I mean there's no way that I need Medicare, or I just want to keep the private policy that I have, and there are a lot of people that are Medicare. Uh, age, but they have private policies. Why not just keep those private policies and keep paying into those private policies? Because see, that's you know, it's not actually American. Uh, Medicare is not American uh, because it is a single payer, socialized healthcare system uh, of an iteration for the elderly, and and it's just you know, why is it that when you turn sixty five suddenly, you lose your private? coverage at a time maybe where you paid in year after year after year after year, and then when you really might use it, now you lose it. I mean, that just that doesn't make any sense. And so the people who wanted a socialized health care system put in Medicare. It was a stepping stone. It was low-hanging fruit, this whole idea of, you know, we'll take care of our seniors. Well, according to a book called Medicare's Midlife Crisis, most seniors already had Hospitalization insurance. They already had it. And a lot of seniors who didn't have anything, they were taken care of on a charity basis. And we cannot ever afford to lose the charity and charitability of healthcare. As a matter of fact, you, (laughs) you might be covered and desperately need charity because somebody who holds your coverage says you can't have it. Oh yeah. You can't have that care. So now you really need charity. And you, yeah, And you it's, pay for something and you can't get it.
0: Well, and then the fear is that even if you're willing to provide that charity that you might get into trouble from some regulatory standpoint. You say well And
2: that's you, just wrong. Yes. That, that is, is morally bankrupt. Wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, it's you know but there's there's a vision here, no question about it. And uh, you know, with you know hopefully you know we can push to get you know some of these uh you know protections into place and 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 like you said in the in the case of being able to opt out of Medicare, surely you know somebody can look at the actuarial data and and forecast some sort of savings uh and make it very politically difficult to to be opposed to it i suppose i I don't know that's that's getting out of stuff I understand well. well-
2: but you know, the managed care organizations, I think there's a really important piece here. When the HMO Act was passed in 1973, Ted Kennedy and Richard Nixon planned for everybody to be in managed care. This was the combining of the delivery and financing of health care, which is a uh, conflict of interest at its heart. But this was the plan because then it would be arm's length Uh, distance away from rationing. Congress could never be blamed. They pushed the entire Medicare program into managed care. Well, now with Medicare Advantage, they have 30% of the program in managed care. A lot of seniors love it, but they don't realize how vulnerable they are at a point when they get into the hospital and they can't protect themselves. They They don't realize that. And so, you know, this is, this is a danger that has been built into the healthcare system of today that people don't understand and we need to break free from that in order to have a healthcare system that is ethical and trusted and affordable. And managed care organizations, they make all of their money off the government programs. Uh, Minnesota uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield in Minnesota just dropped everybody on the Obamacare exchange that was in the so called private coverage, which is just Obamacare, which is not private coverage, but that's another topic. But they kept all the Medicaid and they kept the Minnesota Care, which is like an enhanced version of Medicaid, because uh-huh. this is where they make their profit. They get paid per member per month a certain amount of money. A lot of times the Medicaid and the Minnesota Care populations, they don't have time to go into the doctor. This is not something they really care about. They're not the worried well. You know, it's like time out of their day. Right. And so this is where they make their money because no matter if you come in or not, you get, there's all this right. money. Yeah. So they yeah. love this part.
0: <laughs> it's like a top-tier capitation. Well, Twilight, we are at the top of the hour. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. You have been listening to The
1: Doctor's Lounge on America's Web Radio.